This is the Less Doing Podcast with your host, Ari Mysel. Learn how to optimize, automate, and outsource and be more effective at everything. today's episode of the Less Doing Podcast, I'm going to be talking to Graham Hill about small apartments and eating less meat. Enjoy the interview. Welcome to the Less Doing Podcast. Today, my guest is Graham Hill, founder of Treehugger and of Life Edited. Hi, Graham. Hi, how are you doing? Great. Uh, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to me. I've been a, a huge fan of Treehugger for as long as I can remember since I've, I've been doing green building. And then Life Edited just really spoke to me. And so for, for the uh, couple people who might not know what Treehugger and Life Edited are, can you just give me uh, you know, the, the 30 seconds on each? Yeah, absolutely. And actually, it's, a, it's amazing. There are a lot of people who don't know what Treehugger is, which is, uh, which is sort of great because it means that there's opportunity for growth and um, so Treehugger is basically a large uh, green design and environmental news site that I started in 2004. Um, so before, um, not a lot of green, cool green blogs and that sort of stuff at that point in time. And the basic idea was um, to try to make it a little more contemporary, a little more cool, a little more design-oriented, a little more positive. So it was inspired by hope instead of inspired by fear. And um, yeah, it went re- went really it went really well. We pushed really hard, and we got a great team of people. And um, so now we get about four million uh, uh, readers a month, and um, it's gone great. Um, and then Life Edited is my most recent project. And uh, Life Edited is basically, in a way, I'm trying to build a physical tree hugger, and just trying to, sort of trying to show a new a uh, new way of living. And the the premise is that. Uh, if we're smart about how we apply design, technology, and a little behavior change, we can co- create smaller but really compelling, fulfilling lives that allow people to live within their means, both environmentally but also financially, and that a simpler life is a happier life. And so uh, that translates to us uh, basically trying to become a real estate developer over time or certainly partner with some amazing people and um, put together just some really great buildings that are a small square foot per person, and so they uh, a lot of transforming furniture and transforming rooms and smart layouts and you know layered on the with green materials and insulation and, and that sort of stuff, but just some like really green um really smart financially great places to live so and th- this speaks to so many things that, that I talk about here on the podcast and on the blog which which is there's actually so many things that I'd love to talk to you about but since in limited time we're going to do what we can um, and those, for those of you listening I'm posting in the show notes a link to a tour of Graham's life edited apartment which I've personally seen and it's fascinating uh, it's about 400 square feet right yeah 420 420 square feet but it includes a guest room for two and can have dinner for 12 so uh you've got to just definitely check out the video but it it really speaks to what i want to get to first which is and you did a ted talk on this which is the less stuff more happiness so i mean i can sort of guess but where you know where did that concept really come from for you and how did that develop 
Well, it just sort of happened over time. I mean, I, I started, I, I built and sold a web company with my cousin sort of mid nineties, sold it in like 98. So I, so I made, I made some money and I, I lived a bigger life. I bought a big 3,600 square foot home and a car and furniture and blah, blah, blah. And then, um, a number of years later, I was in New York and dating a Spanish woman named Olga. We lived all over the world. Uh, really when I was starting tree hugger and, um, just sort of realized that we were living in these small places and I had two bags, um, you know, office and possessions. And so we had uh, just amazing experiences living in Bangkok and Barcelona and Buenos Aires and Toronto and New York and India and just sort of all over the map, working hard at the, at the time, but also having really amazing experiences with the uh, little stuff. And then when we moved back to New York, we just rented a really tiny place and so it just sort of it's evolved over probably 20, 20 years or so. I just realized that I think we, we really, life really and happiness is about experiences and about connection. And, and it's not really about stuff. And yet we, we, we tend to think it is about stuff and really focus on. And we've just become so consumerist um, over the last, really the 50, 60 years. Something's really, really changed. And I think we're sort of barking up the wrong tree. It's not. It's not good for us. It just complexifies our our life and um, makes it less efficient, and you have sort of less time. And it's just, just you know, you're just constantly sort of looking for stuff, and um, so it just just didn't it just didn't feel right. And so, you know, what we're adv- advocating is just be really conscious about what you bring into your life, and you know, edit it down. And then you're, we're not saying don't have stuff. We're saying absolutely have stuff. Just be really have great stuff that you really love, not just okay stuff and less of it. And in so doing, you're going to save a bunch of money. You're going to save a bunch of space. You're going to save a bunch of time and just going to have a simpler, um, simpler, happier life. Yeah. Right. So, (laughs) sorry. Um, So what is nice about that and the fact that you're sort of applying it to not only the physical space, but uh, one of the concepts of Plus Doing is about organization, and it's about creating uh, some sometimes artificially restrictive limits and then working backwards from that to figure out how you can make that work. So, mm-hmm. and I know that, you know, you had your competition for Life Edited for different design stuff, but I, I imagine, right, there had to be in some of that sort of push and pull, you know, I have to have at least this, but I don't want to have more than this, right, and somewhere mm-hmm. meeting in the middle. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of you know, ideally, architecture is about the is very personal, is about your own parameters, and it really depends, you know, what what you do. And so, you know, if you're an artist that welds sculptures, you're going to probably need a bit of a different space than someone who's a writer. Um, so, yeah, it definitely it, it definitely depends. Um, so, yeah, so you know, it's it's really driven by program, and so this place was really, you know, what's important to me. Entertaining was really important to me, so being able to have twelve people over for dinner was was important. So we were able to facilitate that. Having guests, a couple guests over in a fairly civil manner, also important to me. Being able to work at home, this, these sorts of things. So yeah, it also really depend really depend um, really depend on the person and you know, design. Really, particularly with the architecture, it's so expensive. It's all it's pretty much all about trade offs. Right, of course, and, and you know it's it's funny when you see people. 
either planning a house or, or, or planning a company even, you know, and there's just things that they think they're supposed to have, but it doesn't specifically apply to them. <laughs> You know, um, and you see that with, mm. with room layouts. It's actually funny. So my wife and I built a house recently uh, and we moved out to, to the country. And mm -hmm. uh, we don't have very big bedrooms. And it's been pointed out actually to us that, they, that our bedrooms are a little small. And it's, in our opinion, it's like it's the room that we spend the least time in during the day. So Conscious why should, time anyway. <laughs> well, right. Yeah. Well, exactly. Yeah. And so why should that be the biggest room? Uh, you know, the biggest room should be the room where we can have entertaining and have people. So, right. but it, it, it seems like an odd concept to a lot of people. It's like, well, you want to have, you know, if, if you want to be like successful and look good, you should have these big, right. big rooms. Well, that's the thing. A lot of it is, uh, you know, we've gotten really confused. A lot of it is about status. And so it's about what the Joneses think and not what, about what, what you think. Right. And uh, it's, just, it's just, you know, I think that's um, not a life that people, you really want to lead. I don't think it leads. I don't think it leads to happiness. Yes, absolutely. So again, I just want to reiterate what I like about this is that you're applying these kinds of principles to physical space and sort of just the, the real examination, paring down of what's needed uh, and to to be effective. So, uh, so okay. So let me move on now to the other thing that your other TED talk actually, which really, really spoke to me at a, a very key moment in my life. And it's about the weekday vegetarian diet. So tell me about it. Tell me how that came about. So that it, 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 it came about essentially, essentially because like I'd been vegetarian for five years at one point and I, I just wanted to, I just felt like if, you know, okay, so I want to eat. I'm not quite ready to never eat a hamburger again. <laughs> you know that. So that that's part of it. And but but I sort of I need some like parameters around it. Otherwise, like I'm eating eating less meat, but how much less meat? How do I? So it just really came from just sort of thinking about that generally. You know what? What's a logical system? And so you know, it's weekday vegetarian. It's very simple. It's it's all in the name. Like nothing with a face during the week, and then you eat whatever you want on the weekend. Right, and, yeah. now, and, and you approach that from sort of a, an ecological point of view, right? I mean, it's not just about health. It's not just about health, no. It's also, also you know, animal cruelty in general and, and environmental um, as well, certainly. Yeah, so, I mean, the thing is, like, if, if, if all of us ate half as much meat, it would be like half of us were vegetarians. And, and really, we, we, we didn't used to eat as much meat as we It used to be more of the garnish, the little side dish, and it's just really grown um, over the years. And so it's just, it's just, not, it's just not good for us on, on many, many levels. And, and the problem, it's sort of like the you know, pursuit of progress, not perfection. Like the, um, by, you know, just, there are a lot of people who are just they're never actually going to be vegetarian. So you need, you need to give them a solution that, that works for them. And so it's just sort of being pragmatic about it. So getting people to eat less meat may be possible um, that for people that would never become a full vegetarian. So it's just trying to be pragmatic. But, but listen, that, you know, this is just one idea. There are many other ideas. and it's, just, it's really figuring out something that works for you. And that may be that you're, um, you know, what, vegan? Or there's like vegan before six or... Um, <laughs> Or like if you you know if you're thinking about it environmentally, if that's the, if that's the main thing, if you just don't eat beef, beef's basically eighty percent of the footprint. Yeah. So it's all about if you just eat other meats, 
um, that'll make a big difference. So it's just you know, figure out, sort of figure out what works for you, but try to have something with some parameters so that you know that when you're succeeding and, and when you're not. And, and, but it's not too stressful, so you'll actually do it. Uh, yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. It's funny, actually. There's, so there's uh, the Fat Burning Man podcast, which is Abel James, and he, uh, he's like pretty much paleo, but he says, uh, he says I'm 83% vegan. So, um, but which is, which is interesting actually. And I, and I want to just sort of point that out too. So paleo is all the rage now with people and it's, it's a big thing. But if you really think about it in paleolithic times, we have to assume that you couldn't have meat three times a day, every day. Uh, it just, I mean, unless you were the most amazing hunter that has ever existed on the face of the planet. So something like the weekday vegetarian to me actually sounds a lot more natural. It was like, mm-hmm. you know, if you were able to kind of, kind of catch that big game that one time a week, which yeah. quite honestly, if you think about it too, it takes an enormous amount of energy to hunt and track and kill and prepare meat as opposed to yeah. foraging. Right. So I actually almost think that weekday vegetarian is a more realistic model of what a paleoethic diet would be than paleo. But uh, yeah. so, so, oh, go ahead. Sorry. One thing I think sort of interesting too is that I I'd, I'd never really thought about is that there are actually some landscapes that are really hard to farm, um, but animals can actually get value from those from those landscapes. So you know, a really rocky, hilly thing. If you have a bunch of goats or something, right? They're going to be able to get you know, quote unquote, value out of that land where, where you couldn't, as a vegetarian, get get any. And so, you know, just on a pure efficiency basis, it probably makes some sense. That we have some meat, some meat in our diet to just take advantage of those situations. Yeah, absolutely. So, what what I want to uh, you know tell you about related to that too, which I thought was really fascinating at the time, because, like I said, when when I heard your TED talk, it really spoke to me, and I thought that, that made a lot of sense. Because I, I, in my journey to overcome Crohn's, I went vegan for about a month and realized that wasn't for me, and then I was full-on vegetarian for about six months, which was fine. But I, I, and I didn't miss meat, but I, I started to reintroduce fish after that and really had a lot of fish in my diet after that. So uh, mm. the weekday vegetarian thing really spoke to me. And it wasn't that I necessarily needed to follow a diet, but it does really give you that good guideline. Mm-hmm. I'm big on medical studies, right? So there was a study done in Japan. Uh, and I love this thing. So it was done in 2010, so the same year that you gave your TED Talk. And uh, they took two groups of people with Crohn's. And one group, uh, was, it, was, it was a two-year study, and one group was just left to their own devices to eat what they want. And the other group was told to eat a semi-vegetarian diet, which meant up to one serving of meat or fish per week. Per week. Per week. So a half, of, you know, a half a serving of fish or a half a serving of meat or a full serving, whatever you, you want to call it. But they were not monitored over that two years. They were just checked in with regularly. So after the two years was up, uh, the group that had eaten, continued to eat as they normally do, 80% of them went back into flare-ups of Crohn's. And the group that was told to eat a semi-vegetarian diet only had uh, 8% who went back into Crohn's. So 90, 92% of them were still symptom-free having been told to go on a semi-vegetarian diet. So the truth is we don't know if they did or how much compliance there was. It's really uh-huh. kind of it's really kind of amazing. Uh, so, wow, yeah. So I thought that's a really cool kind of way to look at uh, weekday vegetarian. Oh yeah, how cool! So it really works as, uh, in terms of anti-inflammation and and just it sounds like better health. You know, and and mm. part of the argument there also 
which you 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 didn't uh, explicitly say when you, you came up with all this. I think is that uh, we there's an opportunity cost. You know, there's just so much room in our stomachs to eat food. So if you're eating an enormous amount of meat, then you don't have as much room to get the kale or the spinach or the greens right. or the other nutrients right. that you really do right. need. Yeah. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and you can see that. I mean, I yeah. You, yeah, you don't have room to order, order that order that salad because you're doing the other thing. Yeah, true. Exactly. So, what is next for is life edited your main focus now? Yeah, absolutely, hundred percent. And okay, so now the apartment that I saw is in Soho in Manhattan, which is which is a, a cool move, by the way, putting it in one of the most expensive neighborhoods in the world, uh, <laughs> and and doing it the way you did. Uh, but what's next? What's the next plan for it? So really, we're trying to go from not being a developer to being a developer. And so, um, you know, we don't have to become a developer ourselves necessarily. We could just partner with a great developer. We don't really care. The, the main idea, though, is that we we want a, we want a piece of the back end, and and we want to be involved really from the outset. So we want to help. You know, the ideal scenario is we work with partners, or we concept a building, and and maybe help raise the money and and design the interiors. Um, work with an architect to get it fully built out and then help uh, market the site, uh, the building via our site and newsletter and speaking and media and that sort of stuff. So that's the, you know, we, we just want to have a, ideally as much control as possible over the project so that we can do some really cool stuff. And are there, I mean, are there principles that you've come up with that can sort of be applied across the board or is it really a kind of a custom look every time? Uh, I mean, we, you know, we, we have aesthetic leanings, but it's really, it's, it has nothing to do with aesthetic, um, for the most part, I would say. Yeah. Um, yeah, we're, we're deaf, you know, it's a combination of just, you know, really smart layout and smart stuff that you furniture and the sort of things you put in it. Yeah, I mean, I guess sort of the, uh, the interior stuff makes a lot of sense as far as the resource furniture that you used and the, yep. the um, appliances or, or lack of appliances as, as people will see in the, uh, in the video that we'll post. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So do, do you know where the next one might be? So um, we've got, um, there's a, we won a competition with Jonathan Rose and Datner and Bernheimer and another, another bunch of people um, to do a thing, a building out near BAM. Okay. Uh, in Brooklyn, and yeah, so we're doing a bunch of micro units there, and that'll be built out. I don't even know the schedule, but I guess over the next couple of years, probably. And uh, they're uh, God, how big are they? I think they're all they're like sort of three hundred square foot ish. Um, we're doing. A, I'm uh, going down to Sao Paulo next week. We're doing a project with a, a developer called Vitacon down there, mm -hmm. and uh, they're. Um, they're 170 square feet and like 50, 50 units. Wow. So, yeah, really small. Now, nice balconies and kind of thing, which definitely helps. But, yeah, so that's exciting. And then we're doing, uh, we're doing some work with Tony Shea uh, from Zappos uh, for his downtown project um, out in Vegas. And we're, we're doing, putting together four units um, to sort of test small space living uh, in Vegas. And if that goes well, then... Hopefully, uh, work with some uh, work with local architect there to come up with a uh, much larger building. Wow. Okay. So well, that's the, uh, yeah. And then a whole bunch of other things uh, under discussion. But yeah, so you know, we're just um, we're mostly doing design work at this point, and 
and then we're probably going to start to do our own developments at a small level and then uh, sort of learn and go from there. That's great. Okay, well, so we're up on time, basically. The, the last question that I'd like to ask everybody on the podcast is what are the top three sort of personal productivity tips that you live by, the, the three things that just make you more effective every day? And it can be anything from any, any walk of life. Oh, jeez. Um, <laughs> well, maybe I'll be like this, the ones I would like to be doing. <laughs> I mean... The one that I grapple with the the most, it, the biggest one is just learning to say no. Um, and I gotta say, it's the hard, hardest one. And and it's something that you know, if you're for the people that are listening, you know, you end up like I'm 43, and I think if you're a social person and you live in a bunch of different places around the world, around the world, you just end up knowing a ton of people, and you may really want to help, and you just start you start and maybe have some success, and like people have requests for you, and it's just it becomes. It just it's it's physics. At a certain point, you just you don't actually you can't actually do it, um, and I find that very challenging. So the 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 one that I like to most work on, but it, which is also the hardest, is just actually being okay with saying no, and saying no because you don't if you don't say no, you don't have room for your stuff, and you just end up presenting it. So you know that's probably that's probably the biggest one. Um, I mean, productivity it depends whether you're a manager or own founder type uh, uh, a big one for me is is is, is delegation um, I think I learned a long time ago that if you can let just let go of control it, people might not do it exactly how you'd like them to do it um, but if you help them with the principles and, and give them feedback so that they can get better over time you know you get more stuff you get more stuff done and, and people are happier with what they're doing because they have more um, more sort of skin in the game and more more effect on things. And so I'd say, you know, it's silly, but dele- delegation. You, you can see a lot of people who, who are real control freaks and they don't they don't let it go. And I think it's, a, it's just not in terms of your business success. It's just not good. You got you got to you got to let people. You got to delegate. And you got to let people do make mistakes and and be okay with them not doing it exactly how you'd like it done, um, but getting it done. Um, third, uh, productivity tips. I don't know. Make sure you exercise regularly, so you got a you have a clearer mind. Do you <laughs> exercise regularly? Generally, you can. I can tell a difference when I don't. Well, I think those are great, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I'm definitely all for exercise and delegation. I think those are those are excellent, excellent ones. So thank you. Um, okay, so Graham, where can people find out everything about you? URL, Twitter, everything. I mean, I might say uh, I got. I mean, like, like Google Docs in terms of like a trick if you're doing a virtual sort of thing. That's another bit of a no-brainer in my mind. Like the idea of like which document, which latest version, that sort of stuff's just at this point in time is sort of ridiculous. Um, where can you find me? Um, uh, lifeedited.com and then we have a great newsletter which I'd highly encourage you to sign up for um, and my Twitter is at ghill g-h-i-l-l and uh, if you like <laughs> if you like Instagram and you like a lot of pictures of faces um, I'm Mr. Graham Hill on Instagram <laughs> okay great well 
Graham, thanks again for your time. And um, everyone's going to be able to check out these links in the show notes and see all the cool stuff that uh, Graham has designed. And hopefully we'll be able to see stuff soon. Thanks again. Cool. Thanks for the opportunity. It's nice talking to you. You too. All right. Thanks for listening to the Less Doing Podcast with Ari Mizell. For more ways to make everything in your life easier, head over to lessdoing.com and also on Twitter at twitter.com slash Ari Mizell or Facebook at facebook.com slash lessdoing. If you enjoyed the show, please take a minute to head over to iTunes and leave a positive review. It's greatly appreciated. You can learn the art of less doing, getting started with biohacking, and how to make Gmail, IFTTT, and virtual assistants your ultimate productivity toolbox at udemy.com slash less doing. Until next time, keep optimizing, automating, and outsourcing everything you do.